Welcome to Authentic Influence with host Anthony Chansamuth, the show where we get real and share the stories and struggles, strategies and tactics of successful influencers and entrepreneurs so that you too can take action to create the life and business that you choose. And now over to Anthony. All right, we are live. Welcome to Authentic Influence, uh, powered by Simple Creative Marketing. This is Anthony Chansamuth, and we are talking to the experts in uh, marketing and influence. And so in this episode, uh, the topic of the day is going to be audience research and also how do you do outreach in a way that it's not slimy and suck? So, <laughs> and the, the, when I was thinking about who, who do I want to talk to about this topic, uh, one person definitely came to mind, and that's uh, Amanda Natividad. I hope I'm saying that right, Amanda. And, uh, and she is, let's bring her onto the screen. Okay, here we go. Welcome, Amanda, from Spark Toro. Now, I'm going to just do a quick intro. Uh, now, you did send through a bio, but I actually like what you shared on Twitter, um, which was just really nice and simple. And I think everyone who's using Twitter uh, should do something like this. Uh, and so you basically just say, hey, I do marketing for audience research, uh, a startup, uh, Spark Toro. Uh, you've led marketing. So Amanda's led marketing for Growth Machine. She's helped build Fitbit's B2B marketing team. And I'd love to dig into a little bit of that story. Um, and uh, she's a mom. She's a trained chef. Wow, that's cool. Uh, and a former journalist. And um, she loves to tweet. She likes to tweet about marketing, creating careers and life and a whole lot more. So welcome to uh, the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Anthony. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's talk about, first of all, where are you based? You're, I think you're, are you in the Bay Area or where are you? Somewhere in the States. So I'm in California. I am in uh, Los Angeles specifically. You're in LA. Mm -hmm. Okay. So have you been, have you always been there or have you moved there recently? What's the story there? I uh, was born here, raised here, uh, moved to the Bay Area for about eight years or so, and then uh, moved back down amid the pandemic um, to sort of optimize for pandemic life. <laughs> we have yes. a little bit more space here, a little more outdoor space. Um, we're a bit closer to family. So it's been a good move. Yeah, cool. So you're one of those people that were exiting the Bay Area during the pandemic. <laughs> it's like, let's yeah. get out of here. Yeah, reduce uh, our cost of living by 30%. Not sorry about it. <laughs> totally get that. Totally get that. All right. So um, now what, what have you been, you've been living and breathing the world of marketing, um, but you started off, I mean, I want to talk about the chef and also the journalist. So can you just take us back to... Um, just the, the diverse journey you've had, like, like yeah. how did you sort of navigate between those different, I guess, career paths and then eventually land up to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's sort of funny how um, when you are young and you are thinking about your future career and you go to university and all those things, how a lot of your future, you know, your future adult life is decided by a child version of you. <laughs> um, it's kind of <laughs> funny. So, I mean, my whole life, I thought I was going to be like a magazine editor or journalist or some kind of writer. And so I went into journalism first um, upon grad. I majored in mass communications, graduated, got into journalism. And so for several years, I worked in tech news journalism. Um, I worked at first at paidcontent.org, which was the original sort of tech news um, digital media websites. 
Um, and then I, you know, worked at gigaohm.com, which I think is still around here. Um, so worked there for a number of years, had a quarter life crisis where I thought, I don't think I want to, I don't think I'm meant to do this. I think I want to be a food writer or a chef or something. So I went to culinary school. Uh, it was a one-year program where, um, you know, it was very much like the cooking shows that you see, uh, except very unskilled people learning how to do something. So, you know, in these sort of like, what, like uh, Hell's Kitchen chopped shows, mm -hmm. it's people chopping really fast and they're people at the, top, at the top of their game. Culinary school is just people learning how to cook chicken. Anyway, oh, I hope I don't burn it. <laughs> so that was me. <laughs> yeah. For a year. Um, uh, thought I was going to be a food writer, but what ended up happening was I ended up stumbling into marketing. I didn't even, I didn't intend to get into marketing, um, but it just sort of happened because that's where the opportunities were. Um, there At the time, there were a lot of, and I'm sure there are now, I just don't follow it closely, but at the time, there were a lot of well-funded um, food tech startups. Um, and I really, I was, I was really intrigued by them and wanted to get into that space. And the way I got into that was um, content marketing, right? By... Uh, and not uh, not the traditional SEO driven content marketer, more like the um, journalism um, background content marketer. So that's because that, that's what I knew. So I did I made a list of all the well-funded food tech companies, followed them closely, followed their content closely, um, and then sent a bunch of cold emails that was basically like, hey, I don't have any marketing experience, but I do have professional experience. Um, I used to work in tech news. I'm trying to get into the food industry. Here's what I'm good at. Here's what I think I can do. I'm a really hard worker. I'm a fast learner. Love the opportunity to work at your company. Um, and one of the people, the co-founders at Naturebox, the subscription snack company, they wrote back and they, they said, hey, you know, we're not hiring right now, but you seem cool. Uh, let's stay in touch. And then maybe there will be an opportunity in the future. So we did stay in touch. Couple months later, they ended up hiring for a content and social media role, and that was how I got into marketing. Um, yeah, that's really cool. And I, I, I can't impress. Like, I want to impress it to listeners here that you know, uh, I kind of started in a similar fashion. I didn't go to university to study marketing or do anything like that. Uh, I actually started off in the world of um, what did I study? It's been so long ago now. <laughs> uh long, yeah i got into it and i was doing you know um i was on a call center for american express and i was doing these sort of uh, uh, 100 calls a day um fast like consumer calls credit cards and people complaining about their credit scores <laughs> and things like this um but it, it was just through an interest in like I, i've got a background in literature and i like to read certain things you know hamlet and other things uh and then it was more around um I always had a keen story around uh, around interest in, in storytelling. It wasn't called that back then. Like I didn't do it. Went books out there, you know, all about the story brands and all these things. Um, but I kind of fell into fell into it. Uh, and that was really it's fascinating to hear your story because I can totally relate to that. And, I can, and anyone watching this who, who is in that, whether it's the great resignation or they're thinking, that, oh, you know, uh, what, what should I do next with my career? Uh, there's something to say, you know, something worthwhile to take from your story which is just follow whatever curiosity or passion or interest you might have um, go do that you know course in, in cooking or whatever it is for you uh, and then explore that and and it, it's okay to pitch someone or say hey I'm, I'm not actually in the marketing world but I want to 
develop my skills and I want to learn that. And, and people will eventually give you opportunities, right? You've got to be persistent, persistent with that. Um, but um, it, it's, it's a nice segue into uh, audience research. And I, it, it's, mm -hmm. you know, big focus that you're doing over there at SparkToro. Uh, and you're working with Rand Fishkin, who's been, you know, uh, in the SEO and content world for a long time and, and, and certainly viewed um, and, and respected uh, as someone who, who knows um, who can bring relevance to, to a lot of businesses and, and the industry. Uh, so can you just share just the story of how you and Rand connected? Because I, I think that's a fascinating one too, like like how you ended up at SparkToro. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I am kind of new to posting publicly on social media. Um, something I just hadn't done before because I didn't. Uh, it was something I chose to focus on probably last summer. And then maybe earlier, the beginning of this year, I got I got a lot more purposeful about it. So I started being very focused about sharing my content and marketing insights uh, via native tweets and threads. Um, and after a couple of months of just being focused on this, uh, Rand Fishkin followed me on Twitter. He followed me back on Twitter. Um, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was nuts. I was like, why would you want to follow me? Uh, and I remember I told a couple of friends, I was like, guess what happened? Um, and one of these friends, Ramley John, who uh, works at Product Lead, uh, Ramley was like, you should message him. And I think for maybe a lot of people who are watching or listening, that might sound very intuitive to do. It was not for me. I, I was mortified by the idea of messaging Rand. I was like, oh gosh, he doesn't want to hear from me. He's too busy. He's too important. Um, but I did work up the nerve and I just said hello. Um, and I think, I think, I think it was Ramley who had told Rand that I was a former chef and had made up some recipe for like chicken teriyaki or something. <laughs> and so, uh, that was kind of, I, I think that was kind of how Rand had heard of me. Um, and so I messaged him and was like, oh, Hey, by the way, if you want this recipe, um, here's a link to it. And the, and the funny thing was I don't have a food blog, um, I just don't. So I, I shared with him the archive link of my ConvertKit newsletter. So it wasn't even this like it. SEO optimized or this yeah. SEO driven article. It was just like, oh, I don't know, here's some archive link that's old and maybe you'll find it relevant. Scroll to the bottom. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, I was very much like, hey, I fully recognize the irony in sending you a not SEO link, but here you go. Um, and then from there, we just sort of became online friends. Um, and then he and his wife were visiting some friends and family in my hometown. Uh, this mm. was a couple months later. And, you know, Rand was like, hey, you know, if you're open to it, like, would love to meet up for lunch. Um, if, you know, if you're interested. I was like, of course. I cleared my schedule immediately. I was like, yes. Um, we were meeting up for lunch. And then um, this is like such a long story. I'm sorry. Uh, right. Tangentially, right, there yes. was Rand had posted uh a tweet just to kind of promote an interview that he and his wife Geraldine did together. They don't do a lot of joint interviews. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, unique. Um, and they did intros for each other. So he gave her this very nice intro. Uh, she's a James Beard award-winning writer, fantastic award. I mean, other awards too. Fantastic, beautiful writer. Introduce her. And then she introduced him and was like, this is Randy Fishteen. Uh, and it was just a funny thing. Uh, because, you know, Rand is so well-known and beloved in the internet and marketing world. So yeah. um, I ended up buying the URL or buying the domain for randyfishdean.com. Uh, I just thought it was a funny prank to do, basically. 
and yeah. was like, oh, look what I buy. I, 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 I replied to his tweet with a screenshot of my having purchased the domain. And he was like, oh, no, what have I done? Um, my calculus there kind of being, look, it's like $12 or $13. Um, some weirdo might buy this, right? Rand has like 450,000 Twitter followers. Some weirdo might buy this. I will be that weirdo. That's right. <laughs> that weirdo is me. So I bought the domain and as he and, you know, and as the, as Rand and Geraldine were, you know, gearing up for their trip, uh, I made a little website to give them food and coffee recommendations for places throughout SoCal. Um, so I sent him, I was like, by the way, I made you this website. And it was his first time seeing it. He did, I mean, he knew I had purchased the, purchased the domain, but I hadn't done anything for it for like two months. Yeah. And then was like, oh, I have this great idea. I should, I should totally make him a website for recommendations. So I sent him that. Um, he thought it was hilarious. We met up for lunch, and we, the three of us, were just fast friends. Um, and I think, especially because uh, I had been reading their blogs, uh, yeah. their books, um, I had read them before and had been keeping up with them. For me, it felt like, or at least I think for them too, uh, it felt like meeting old friends for the first time. Um, it was very natural. We had so much fun together. Um, and then we just kind of started to talk, to talk about like, what if we were to work together? Um, we kind of, and I was, I, I was already, I was working at a company called ShipBob. So yeah. I wasn't actively looking, but it kind of gave, in my not actively looking, it kind of gave me the opportunity to be like, oh, here are things that I think are interesting and fun or terrible about corporate life in, in general. Uh, I mean, ShipBob was a fantastic place to work, but I was speaking more broadly about corporate life. Like, I don't know if I want to have direct reports again. Maybe one day I will. I don't know if I want to scale a team or, you know, be a CMO. I don't I don't know if I want those things. And he was like, yeah, I don't know either. He's like, yeah, managing people kind of sucks. <laughs> so we just <laughs> got to have a very candid conversation. And then by the end of it, as we were talking about what it would be like to work together, there was just sort of this natural fit where I was like, look, like I... I have a lot of experience. I'm not selling myself short here. I have like eight plus years of marketing experience. I know what I'm doing, but you know, I, I am very much a doer. Like I, I don't, I don't thrive on being the strategic person who is just like, okay, everyone do the work. I, here's a strategy. You do it. I actually very much like doing the work. It's, it's fun to me. And so as we shaped up this role, it became very much about like, uh, I, one thing I said to him was like, I think you need someone who will do the work because it really is only the three of us still. It's me, it's Rand, and it's uh, our co-founder or Rand's co-founder, Casey Henry. It's just three of us. So I was like, look, I think you need someone who is senior or experienced enough to not really need much direction, who could just kind of take things and run with it and who you can trust and who is also willing to do the work. So by that, I mean... Look, I am the one day to day running the Twitter account and the one putting together office hours. I am the one like making sure everything's set up on that tech side for those office hours. Um, and Rand and Casey are also very much doers. Like there, there certainly are no egos where nobody feels like I'm, that is, you know, like I, that is below my pay grade. None of us think that way. Um, and so it, it became just a very natural culture fit and good work fit. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and, and it speaks to certainly the culture that you're developing there as a team. And, um, and I see that, you know, with startups more so than obviously more established 
corporate companies or whatever it may be where it's just a hierarchy is, is you know set and it's been that way for the last 10 years and uh and I'm, like i can see even with the projects i work with and the clients i'm i'm currently um working for like we have that dynamic where it's not so much uh i'm part strategist and part you know both like there's a, there's, a, there's a strategy piece where we plan things together and then there's the other piece where it's okay now now i'm going to go away and do the work um and, and that's what they're, they're looking for and 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 I, and I feel there's a, a contribution that's valued there as opposed to like someone just telling you hey look amanda go away and and, and here's what you need to do and, and here's how you're going to do it and, and all of that so um that's fantastic uh you talked about uh well, I just my brain's jumping everywhere because it's it's you know you just shared so much fun. Like I, I just loved how a Twitter relationship or conversation became you know a real you know a real in person meetup. I love what you did with the website, buying the domain. Like these things, they might sound novelty, but it's actually it shows showcases your personality and your uh, your willingness to stand out. And and I, and I think um, I love baby crying in the background too. <laughs> so <what> sorry. <laughs> It's not my baby, it's Amanda's, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> so sorry, I wasn't sure you could hear. That's <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> um, so let's talk about just, you know, you mentioned sort of virtual, like events. Uh, and I, I see you know, that's something that, that you really invested in uh, over there at Spark Toro. So can you just take us through um, the content strategy? Uh, you're, you've got a SaaS product that you're selling, uh, and we're going to have a look at, uh, you know, a quick demo of the tool shortly. Um, but just sort of high level, what is the, the strategy for, uh, you know, raising awareness of what Spark Toro is, what what features are coming out, uh, and also really building a, a client base or a user base around that and a community around it. Yeah. So one um, maybe counterintuitive thing about our marketing um, is that we are not doing SEO driven content. And a big reason there is, you know, we are providing, um, what we are doing at SparkToro is we are providing audience research at scale for people of various budgets, right? We have, we have our paid plans don't cost very much. Um, like our most expensive plan at the annual level is just over $2,000 for a B2B SaaS tool. That's not too expensive. Um, but we also have free accounts where you get a sampling of certain results, like which you know, which tech, uh, how people in your target audience self-identify, some of the websites they frequent, social accounts they follow. So we do give that um, in a free plan. Um, and so, bit of a segue here. Okay, so I said we don't really do SEO-driven content. The reason for that is audience research, right? Are you searching for that? Is anyone searching for that? I don't think so. It's not a term that people are really searching for right now, but it serves a... It, it, has, it provides a solution for a problem that every marketer has. Every marketer is wondering which podcasts does my, do my target audience listen to, right? Like what are the, what are the influential um, YouTube channels in my niche? Those are things that marketers learn when they develop competency in a given industry, right? Those are not very intuitive. So we are providing this service to people at scale. And uh, because they are not searching for the for audience research or sources of influence, right? We can't really do SEO for that. So instead, what we do is, um, you know, Rand obviously has his massive audience, uh, and I've spent the past year kind of building up my own audience. We sort of have these personal brands, and now SparkToro has its own brand. We have a massive email list. We have a great, awesome community of very kind people who really, truly want to do great marketing. 
Um, and so we create content for their needs. We do a lot of product-led content and a lot of community-led content. Uh, product-led content, well, where the two intersect, the best example of that I have is um, our presentation and our content on cold outreach. Hmm. Uh, about over a month ago, I think, I did a presentation in our bi-weekly Sparktoro office hours on doing cold outreach right. What is what, what the problems are with bad cold outreach, how to develop outreach lists, and how to create a message or a cold message that resonates with people. Um, we had attendance of, I think, 500 or 600 people who came to this event, had a lot of great questions in the chat. From there, I kind of refined some of the ideas and then wrote that into a long blog post, including screenshots, right? Because all this information included how to do, right, what are the problems with cold outreach, how to do it better, but also how to do it using the tools that Sparktoro provides. So there were a lot of great screenshots and kind of tutorials on how to use the product. And so the end result was, here's how to do cold outreach. Here's how you can do it manually. Here's how you can do it using Sparktoro. So it just kind of covers whether, whether or not you, you are a Sparktoro customer, but of course it's better if you are. So that's what guides a lot of our content. We distribute this on social media, our email newsletter and our events. Um, and over time we're seeing that, you know, we get a lot of great feedback from people saying, hey, this really helped me. Because of this, I landed this deal. Um, or people suggesting new content, right? Like some people was some people reached out and said, hey, I really like your sessions on PR outreach. Um, I'd love to see more of this. So we're using this intel to then develop more content because we figure if one person reaches out to ask for a resource on outreach, that's probably indicative that there are several other people, if not more, dozens, I don't know, who also have the same question. So we are just very much focused on what our audience wants, what they need, and what they tell us. So when you're doing the office hours, what's the, I think you mentioned, is it, is it twice a week? Um, it's uh, it's every other week or so. Every other week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and so is the format basically come on, join us for an, for an hour or 30 minutes, whatever it may be, ask your questions, and it's really a live Q&A session, or do you have prepared topics where you, you present you know, here's how to do audience research or PR yeah, yeah. or whatever it may be. What's it's the structure? Definitely, definitely both. Uh, so we carve out the whole hour. Uh, Rand or I or a guest speaker. We've had two terrific guest speakers so far. Uh, we we do a 20 to 30 minute presentation on, <clears throat> on an, uh, an overall marketing strategy. Like maybe it's a PR strategy, content. Today we had uh, Ross Simmons on the show to talk about content distribution strategy. Um, and then where it's relevant, only when it's relevant, we weave in how SparkToro would fit into that. Hmm. And then we also encourage people to bring their questions about SparkToro or bring their questions about marketing in general. These events are completely free. Anyone can sign up. Uh, you don't have to be a SparkToro customer or user, but it's better if you are. Um, <laughs> and then we try to make sure we cover as many questions as we can. And we really do try to make sure that, you know, we where we weave in SparkToro and our product we really try to make sure it's only when it's relevant to a specific question or a specific, a specific talking point. Uh, and I think that that holds integrity for the conversation because if people feel that you, you're pushing a product uh, and not listening to what they're asking that and really answering those, that that's uh, it, it's it's really uh, it's basically marketing one hundred and one or sales one hundred and one is, is you don't you know push push a solution without actually having a problem to to address. Um, I love it. I love it. What happens after the Q and A? Do, do you send an email follow up with, with a recording? Uh, you know, a free trial of the software. Like, what's how do you actually move people? I guess through 
the, the traditional fun, funnel. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we don't, we, we aren't, we aren't like super hardcore about our mar marketing metrics. Uh, we mm -hmm. do absolutely send a follow-up email with a link to the replay and slides when we can. Um, and then the following week, We'll well, the following week, I um, published just the presentation por portion on YouTube, which is just free to anybody who goes to our YouTube channel. Um, and then I also send it in our audience research newsletter, which is also biweekly. So uh, basically every week we have a thing. So it's either office hours or the audience research newsletter. And we kind of make sure they feed the other. Uh, we promote it on social. Um, and then, you know, where, where, wherever possible, if it makes sense to, we also try to use some of these talking points in other discussions or other forums like this one. Um, so, yeah. And so, you know, we, we track these where we can, where it makes sense to. We look at open rates. We are, uh, you know, looking at impact on retention overall. Um, but that's pretty much it. Now, I know the SaaS, uh, the SaaS founders and, and the SaaS marketers are listening to this are, are curious, what, what would be, I guess, you mentioned you're not really too focused on, on metrics um, as part of, of your content, uh, but I, 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 you know, I'd imagine there are certain things that you're keeping the eye on, like in terms of whether it's user signups or whatever it may be. So what, you know, what's, maybe the question I'm asking is what's the North Star? And then mm -hmm. if you have one uh, and, and what, what, what is a measure of success for you with the event strategy? Yeah, we absolutely look at, we look at signups, we look at churn. Um, and we've, we've also recently redone um, our onboarding sequence. So we have a certain email sequence that goes out based on what actions the, the SparkToro user does or does not take. So if, if someone signs up for an account and they don't run any searches for like a couple of days, then they get a certain email that shows them, you know, how to do a search, what value to get out of it. Um, so things like that. So we, we do look at how people are opening those, interacting with those, um, how that impacts overall engagement with the app. So we look at that. Um, and then in terms of events, you know, we do look at signups. Um, our very first office hour session had well over a thousand people, which was amazing uh, and was much higher than I could have hoped. Um, and because this is an ongoing series, you know, people will are now picking and choosing which session they want to go to based on topic because we do kind of present like, hey, you know, this week we're going to talk about content distribution. Feel free to come with any of your questions. Enjoy the presentation, whatever you want to do. Um, so people are joining based on, based on topic and maybe based on speaker. Um, so now I think we, we, we get around 500 to 600 attendees at each session. Um, not everyone attends live, but our replay rate's actually quite high. So mm -hmm. we get a really, really solid. Um, so that to me, that to me, in my opinion, counts as attendance, right? Because everybody's yeah. on a different time zone, different, you know, uh, different work style cadence kind of thing. So that counts to me. Um, and then we also encourage people to write into us if like, uh, for instance, some people will say like, oh, I can't make it. Hope I'll get the replay. And I, and, I, and then they'll, they'll email me and say this. And I'm like, great. You know, if you have a question now, um, feel free to let me know. And then I'll make sure we cover it in the session so that when you watch the replay, you can watch that your your question being answered. So I, I, I do that too, to make sure. Um, but yeah, we definitely look at attendance, signups, and then qualitative feedback. That means a lot to us. Makes sense. I love it. All right, now you let's let's jump back to the the conversation around cold outreach because you did you, you wrote a fantastic guide on how to do that, and I saw that went viral. Oh, well, I'll call it viral, but you know, viral is probably not the best word to use. Um, but 
tell us, talk us through the process. What did you learn? Uh, you've got, I remember reading the piece and you've got a response rate of approximately 80%, mm-hmm. um, you know, with your cold outreach uh, efforts. So mm-hmm. yeah, what's the secret, Amanda? Like, how do you, how, yeah. what's the approach and, and, and how, why is it working so well? Yeah. So I will say, of course, you know, please read the guide, watch the YouTube video, yada, yada. But I'm going to say, Overall, so, you know, I, I do get at least an 80, 80% response rate. I do shoot for 100. Um, my outreach lists are very small, right? I, I will never send 100 emails in a day. I probably won't even send 50 in a day. Anytime I send a message to someone, a cold message to someone, um, I make sure that I've been consuming their content for at least a couple weeks or so. And by consuming their content, I mean, if they have a newsletter, I'll subscribe. If they have a blog, I'll read it. Um, If they're active on Twitter or on LinkedIn, I follow them and engage with their content. I really try to get to know them from afar. And I think a lot of content, any, any content creator, and I mean that in the broadest sense, right? Anyone who publishes online publicly, any content creator, they do it because they want to be found. Right. Like if you wanted to be known as the case study expert, then you would write a lot about case studies and you would hope that people would read it and find it and reach out to you. Um, So I really do pay attention to that. Um, And frankly, that's the biggest part of the equation. Um, In terms of cold outreach, the bar is quite low. Um, If you show that you are paying attention to someone's content, to what they put out there, to the questions that they're asking to their broader audience, if you show you're paying attention to that, the person will notice and it, 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 it means a lot to them. Um, and it isn't even about like pretending that you're a huge fan or that, oh, I've been following your work for years. Like you don't, you don't have to say that if it's not true, right? But, you know, you could say things like, hey, I, I read your newsletter last week about, you know, how to find these hidden gem opportunities in content distribution. And I, I tried one of your tactics and it worked. So thank you so much for posting that. Things like that, like people notice that. So leading with a very specific compliment, if it is relevant and if it is true, um, and then being super clear about why you are reaching out to them and what you were asking for. So whether it is for an interview, whether it's for asking, uh, trying to pitch yourself to do a guest piece on their blog, it's making sure that the first, that the that the end product is aligned, right? If you want to pitch yourself to do a guest post for someone's blog, well, first, make sure that they are accepting guest posts. So for, uh, for us, SparkToro, we don't do guest posts. It just isn't what, it just isn't part of our editorial vision. It's not what we do. So if anyone pitches us, hey, can I write for you? It's an immediate no, because we just don't do that. However, if you were to look at a blog that you wanted to write for and you see that there are guest con- contributors, take a look at those pieces, right? See what those people are writing about, how it aligns with that blog's overall vision and mission, and then make sure you can help them deliver on that. That that so being very specific about that kind of pitch is also everything. So being super clear about what your intentions are, the value you provide, um, why you can provide it, what's unique about you, and how you can provide it, and then why you're reaching out to them. Like if you are trying to get a guest piece on a certain blog, why is it that blog that you want to reach out to? Is it because you are trying to do a spray and pray method and just get as many people as possible. I don't think that's a very good strategy, but if it is because you work in the space of internet infrastructure and you've uncovered this niche, highly respected engineering blog, and you need to be, and you feel like you need to be, you need to be part of it. 
That's a great opportunity. So spend some time being really thoughtful about the outreach um, and create a message that you know will add value to them and their audience and deliver on that. I really like that um, key message there about really thinking about the mission and vision and, and, and the values of the organization or the person that you're trying to approach. Uh, you know, I think of it as it, this happens in networking. I used to be, well, pre-pandemic, I would you know, network once every couple of weeks. I'd go out and, and meet a group somewhere. Uh, and, you know, it's without fail, I'd have someone come up to me, hand me a business card, and and, and that's pretty much it, and be like, you know, <laughs> um, not even a, a hey what do you do <laughs> like it's 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 uh and I, I just hate that feeling and and so to to be on the the recipient of it but also then to be on the other side the person pitching or, or, or reaching out to someone and and really uh i'm sure you get these emails a lot amanda i certainly do in my inbox where it's like hey you know we saw this article on your site and you know we've written a better guide and therefore you should link to it and and that's there's no you know, like beyond that there's no value add like there's nothing and I'm thinking, well, how does that benefit me <laughs> like, or my audience? It doesn't do anything. Um, and so it's, uh, it, it's really, yeah, I want to recap just some of the things that you've said here. You know, you start off by just following the, the companies, the organizations, the influencers, the associations, whoever it is that, that, that would be your, perhaps your ideal uh, partner. Uh, and, uh, and I like to think of it as a partner rather, rather than straight up we're looking for clients. Um, I think there's, there's much that can be done in collaboration. And then we're looking at, okay, next thing you want to do is make sure you're paying, you show them that you're paying attention, right? So you're following them, you're subscribing to their newsletters, you're uh, responding to some of the, the messaging that they're putting out there. Um, I like the, the, the lead with a, with a compliment um, message that you just shared, uh, provided that it's real and you're not just saying things like, you know, oh, I've read 200 of your newsletters and you've, you're not even subscribed. <laughs> <laughs> They can tell. <laughs> they can tell, right? And if you don't, and if you haven't subscribed, that's that's okay too. But just don't lie about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or you know, you say things like, "Oh, you know, I really love you." Posted about this movie, and and you said like, they say they love this movie, and you say you love the movie, and then but you've never seen it, right? You, you got to be authentic with these things. Um, uh, and then you know, make sure that the end product or the pitch that you're you're putting out there is aligned with again the vision and, and mission, what they're trying to achieve and accomplish, and and show them how you know you're unique and how you can actually contribute to that um, and I think that those are all wonderful steps and I can see why the, the open rate is, is very high you're listening to authentic influence learn the tips strategies and practices for taking your influence to the next level now back to the show um, in that like in that message or question about just subject lines what what's a typical subject line that you see works for you oh that's interesting that, yeah when you're sending that email that's interesting what? so i don't i don't you know i don't maybe this is a bad idea but it, but it still works for me is i don't yeah. put a lot of thought into the subject line because uh -huh. i feel like if someone sees it's from an individual not a, not a company right that they're probably going to open anyway and i think to some degree everyone expects they're going to get a cold message at some point, right? We all get them every day. We, we expect them. Um, so I, 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 you know, I, I'll never say anything like in the subject line, like increase your reach by 50,000 eyeballs. Like I would never say that because that's such a, such a kind of, kind of scammy thing to say. Uh, I might even just say some, it might, I'll be very straightforward. So if I'm pitching to, uh, to a blog to try to do a guest piece, 
Um, I think the subject line might even just say like um, guest guest pitch and then maybe the topic like guest pitch content distribution or so th something like that where they would know like, okay, I know it's a pitch, whatever, and they'll open it. Um, so being very straightforward about that um, and try to, I want to give another example. Um, if I'm reaching out to, I don't know if this counts as cold outreach, but I'll do it anyway. If I'm reaching out to a, um, one of our customers to hopefully do a case study. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a cold email because a lot of our customers haven't heard from me personally on the individual yeah. level. Uh, I might just say like SparkToro case study or SparkToro plus, you know, foundation case study, that kind of thing. Or um, yeah. And then in the ask itself, you know, I also try to outline things like if I'm asking for a meeting or for their time, um, I'll, I'll say up front how much time I'm asking for. Like, hey, are you open to a 20 minute call? And then I make sure that call is 20 minutes unless the person says, hey, I have more time. It's totally fine to go over. You know, it's different. Um, but I, I, I try to be upfront about that. Sometimes I'll even say, like, if you're open to topic on a call and then parentheses, no video required, just whatever I can say to reduce any kind of anxiety or any kind of cognitive load in order to make it easy for them to say yes. I love that. And, and it's so important to consider the experience of the other person, right? So that's what you're really uh, alluding to here is, you know, even just that little thing, little bracket, you know, parentheses saying, hey, like no video required, that can remove a lot of anxiety from someone, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and I've had that that occur where people have said, you know, oh, can, can I do, I'm happy to do the podcast, but can we just do it audio only? Right. Or whatever it may be. I don't want kids. You know, I've got kids running around in the backyard or whatever it may be. And, and I've gone, yeah, that's totally fine. Like we we're, we can totally understand you know, this is a human experience. Uh, amazing. Uh, great tip on the subject line, too. I like that it's direct and, and you kind of let the person know this is why I'm reaching out to you just from that you know, subject. Um, awesome. Now, a question that uh, is very rele relevant to our conversation here is what is audience research and how is it different from market research? Yeah, so traditional market research is sort of collating findings you would get from like focus groups, uh, consumer surveys, um, things like that. It's kind of the the formal practice of understanding an overall market, right? Understand, understanding the potential, the, the market potential for your product or service or whatever that is. Um, but a thing with market research, and you know, it is very important, right? A, a, thing, a problem with it is that it's expensive and it's hard to do. So if you are on a tight budget or if you're just an, if you're a new business, if you're a founder or solopreneur, um, it's a little bit un unaccessible, right? It's um, like a focus group can cost you like five to eight thousand dollars to run. Um, a proper survey can cost anywhere from 20 to forty thousand um, dollars. You can Google this. It's true. And I've run a survey in the past where we spent twenty five thousand dollars and that was that was the budget offer. Um, it's expensive. Audience research, on the other hand, is understanding your audience, your target audience's sources of influence so that you can make better informed marketing decisions. So it's things like understanding which websites your audience frequents, the podcasts they listen to, um, the things, they, the, the topics they talk about publicly online, and also just how they self-identify, looking at the words in their bios, like if they you know, self-identify as a consultant, as a life coach, marketing coach. Those are the things that you would find in audience research. And so what SparkToro does is through running just quick queries, uh, you can uncover your source, your audience, your audience's sources of influence 
and what they talk about online, just on an aggregate and de-identified level. So you're really taking it, um, what I'm hearing is, is it's, it's the approaches from a different perspective. Like it, it's really looking at, um, yeah, like I'm thinking of keyword research where we would, we would look for specific keywords and, and, and that's typically the approach that we would take. Uh, but here we're looking at the aggregate. So we're looking at, okay, well, actually, what's the entire, well, the holistic story um, and what's what's the the broad interest? Um, could you take us through just a, a short share? Now, I've got a few questions here about just uh, how SparkTora are using case studies uh, in, in your marketing, in your presentations. Like I've seen one of the things that really stands out to me when I've seen whether it's you or Rand, um, you know, doing, a, 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 whether you're speaking at an event or, or your own events, or even just the content that's being put, shared on LinkedIn and on Twitter. Uh, I've seen some really great examples of case studies being used in that storytelling. So mm -hmm. can you speak to uh, why you, like how, what, what's the rationale behind sharing those case studies and, 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 and how is that, um, why do you feel they're, they're compelling or, or useful to share? Yeah, so I, I would say, we, I think we think about it in two different ways. To us, there are use cases and there are case studies. So for us, a use case would be something like, um, hey, here's how you can use SparkToro to better create uh, a PR pitch when you reach out to a journalist. That would be a use case. Um, where we also have case studies is case studies are to us, the, the evidence of our customers or users having done the thing or having used SparkToro and how and and the great ROI or business outcomes they saw as a result. So right now, our, our newest case study, which just went live on the site, is a case study with Foundation Inc. Uh, they are one of the leading content marketing agencies um, that are best known in the sort of B2B SaaS space. Um, and so... Uh, they are also one of the few uh, content agencies that offers content distribution as a service. So yes, they do SEO driven content, but they also provide the distribution part as part of their offering. And um, what they've also been doing is they've been using SparkToro to identify niche distribution channels. Niche distrib distribution channels might be a very niche podcast in the engineering world. Or it's a newsletter started by somebody who has like 10,000 Twitter followers, right? Someone with 10,000 Twitter followers, that's influential, that's real, right? But that, that person is probably not going to be mainstream, right? So what SparkToro helps you do is find some of these hidden gem social media accounts. And then from there, you can follow those accounts. You can, you can create lists in SparkToro where, you, where in a paid plan, you can also get uh, their publicly available contact info, so additional social channels as well as email address. Um, or, you know, you can use it to create your own Twitter lists uh, for yourself personally and then follow the content there and find those people. Um, so that's sort of how we think about it. I'm just pulling up the case study here for oh, foundation. I love that you have a success stories page and I recommend every business do this. Um, and, and there's a distinction here between, we won't get into the case studies versus testimonials, but I like your distinction between case studies and use cases uh, and specific, specifically for a, a product uh, business like your like what SparkToro is. Um, let's just jump into the case study and I want to sort of have you get, talk us through. Uh, even let's go back to, engaging with with um with ross right how did you decide that 
that you wanted to do a story uh, on on his on, on the foundation and and um, what what were you looking to I guess what outcome did you want from this particular case study? Yeah, so we started by looking at our customer database, um, seeing of our customers who was running the most searches, right? Because at least that would give us a sense of, well, who are the most engaged customers, right? Because you want a case study that's true, right? You know, I think the last thing you want when you're doing a case study is to twist a customer's arm and to be like, please, can you help us do this? Like, we'll give you a free month or whatever. Like those things, and I've done this in the past, it might get you, it might get the person to say yes, to agree to it. But the problem is it's immediately at odds with the case study itself, because if they're not already paying for your product, they're not already using it. It's because they don't see the value yet. You can't force someone to see the value of your product. So we start with customers who are running a lot of searches and then we go, great. And then um, from there, I mean, Ross um, is is a friend of ours, right? So we also felt comfortable reaching out to him. Um, and then also just seeding the idea first, right? So giving him a sense and, and you know, I think where we are fortunate is as a service provider, Ross knows what makes an effective case study, right? So if, if, if he wasn't seeing strong business outcomes, he would, he would say, sorry, like, I don't have anything yet. Let's touch base in a couple months. But he was like, yes, game on. I am ready. Let's do this. Because I was able to say like, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to build up our case study program get some great stories of people who are effectively using our tools and growing their business as a result. What's in it for you? You know, we'll link, we'll link back to your website Uh, in the future. Maybe we we can do an event together, hopefully help drive leads for your business. Um, And, you know, foundation is also one of the most well-respected marketing agencies out there. So we were, we were honored that they even said yes to it. Right. But it's kind of win-win, right? Like we get to give them some love. They get to give us some love. Hopefully and truly, hopefully they can get um, they'll get more leads as a result of this. Um, so in in this, you know, we in writing this, uh, I focused on making sure it was super clear what foundation is and does. Right, just in case anyone reads it who isn't familiar, so making it super clear what they do, um, uh, uh, explaining the services they provide, and then um, explaining to the readers like. Well, like how specifically Foundation used SparkToro's tools. So um, in this case here, uh, they were able to do a lot of audience research that helped them uncover niche podcast and newsletter opportunities. From there, based on audience reach of those podcasts and newsletters, they were able to make the business case to their client that, hey, you know, if we secure some sponsorships in these newsletters and podcasts, and, and right, and if it's a very niche newsletter, it's not going to be as expensive as, you know, mm. doing a placement with like Morning Brew, right? Because, right. and and then not everyone has to do sponsorships with Morning Brew in order to do good marketing, right? That's, that, that is, uh, I mean, it's a great newsletter with a huge reach, but there are also other contenders to look to also. So anyway, Foundation was able to make this business case that like, hey, based on what we are seeing in these niche opportunities and we do a sponsorship here, we think we can reach more people than if we did targeted Facebook ads. And so the client was like, great, like, let's do it. And um, foundation took a big swing. I mean, they spent um, up to $50,000 on these sponsorships and they were able to, they, they did reach more people compared to Facebook. And they saw that just compared to previous opportunities, they were getting 50% more qualified leads mm. than in traditional 
uh, digital marketing efforts. So, yeah. Very cool and a great story, uh, success story. Like, well done. Um, I really like just the structure you've laid out here in terms of giving the context. And I say the power of case studies comes down to your ability to convey context and also the ability to convey empathy. Right. So once the, you know, if you're someone, whoever your, your target reader is, and in your case, it'd be people who want to use or, or potentially test Spark Coro uh, for their own businesses and their own purposes, then you know, they, 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 it really helps here. Just using Ross's story, for example, where you talk about, uh, you know, just even though he's already been a successful, you know, marketing company and, and they've got, they've been able to build their audience and what, whatever else, they still struggle. They, they still struggle with finding the right opportunities. They're still, um, some work to be done to to find, you know, I love that section about the hidden gems, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to uncover those. So can you um, maybe just, uh, I'm going to stop sharing the screen, but maybe you could just take us, walk walk through a demo of SparkToro for us. Uh, and and um, we maybe we can create a, an imaginary case study here <laughs> as we go. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think you're seeing my whole window, huh? Um, yeah. That's fine. That's right. Okay. All right, and now you can see my my SparkToro dashboard. All yes. right, so let's say you know I think your audience here is a lot of uh, consultants and coaches. Um, I would do a search, so you can do a couple of different searches here, right? You can do my audience frequently talks about, uses these words in their profile, follows the social account, frequently uses a hashtag, um, and frequently visits the website. So all different kinds of searches. Let's try uses these words in their profile. And then maybe let's go with marketing consultant and then we'll see what we get there. So we'll discover now. Um, it's going to think for a little bit. Um, all right. So our database found over 19,000 people whose profiles include marketing consultant. So we, as we look at this, this is really just how quick it is. Uh, look at the overview. We'll see things like behaviors and demographics. So some of the other top words used in their public social media bios include online, internet, strategist, freelance. Okay, I think this is the right audience. Top hashtags used, digital marketing, content marketing, social media marketing, um, and frequently used phrases. They also talk about marketing strategy, customer service, marketing strategies, and mental health a lot. I think that's really interesting, mental health. So if I were to create content for this marketing consultant audience, I might think about what I can write about mental health that's related specifically to marketing consultants. Maybe that ends up being a Twitter thread. Maybe it ends up being a blog post or a great topic for my newsletter. Maybe I'll do a couple of interviews with marketing consultants I know about how they manage their mental health throughout their, you know, throughout as they manage client relationships, right? Those are a lot of opportunities. Um, Something that a lot of our customers get value out of is our demographics. So I will click on demographics here. So you'll see some of the top job roles and fields, top employer industries. So marketing consultant, a lot of their, a lot of the industries are marketing advertising. That makes sense to me. You'll see average company size. Unknown probably because a lot of these people are, you know, they have their own consultancy. So mm-hmm. there's less public data on, on an individual's consultancy, right? Um, I might look at skills and interests. It's kind of interesting. So a lot of mentioned interests include education, children, health, huh. most mentioned skills. Uh, social media marketing is a top one. Also interesting. Yeah. So I would, I would look at this. You can even look at political leanings. 
A lot of them lean left and center. That's kind of interesting. That's interesting. Um, so also look at, let's go to the social tab. So you'll see people whose profiles include marketing consultant engage most with these accounts. HubSpot, Moz, Google Analytics, Rand Fishkin. Not surprising, right? Mm -hmm. um, and because that's not surprising, maybe what you want are some of the hidden gems. So I would go to filters, maybe go to only the gem. So maybe the people who might not, might not be mainstream yet. I right. would exclude the popular accounts. Um, and let's just see what we get from this. Apply filters. Cool. So these are a lot of people who who are what who are really well known, but are still pretty niche, right? So I think anyone in the world of SEO knows who Dr. Pete and Cyrus uh, Cyrus Shepherd are. But if you're not really, if you're more so in the performance marketing space, you might not know who they are, right? So that's mm -hmm. kind of interesting. You see Jerry Jerry Moran, you see Mandy Edwards, um, Ian Cleary, just a lot of people um, across across marketing who um, are not necessarily the most well known more broadly, right? So pretty niche, great in gems. I would I would look at these people's content, look at their blogs. I would subscribe to their newsletters if I were you know hoping to partner with them in any capacity. Um, so those are some examples there. We can look at podcasts. Podcasts are fun. So people whose profiles include marketing consultant engage most with these podcasts. Of course, um, marketing profs, uh, content Inc. with Joe Polizzi, um, yeah. Neil Schaefer is here. Um, all this, you know, pretty much checks out for the consultant audience, I think. Um, so, yeah. That's really cool. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's so cool. And, and just even in that minute or, you know, just navigating through one search query, um, there's so much value. Uh, I can see it in just using that, you know, um, method to, to then understand, okay, well, where are, where are the opportunities to outreach to perhaps, you know, um, instead of going after the, 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 the people who have the mass audiences that everyone knows, right? I think that there's um, where I've seen success has been actually approaching those who are maybe what we call, I don't like them. I don't like the name, but we think of them as like second tier, or, or like they are micro influencers within their own world, uh, and and that that you might not be aware of, right? And and so that's uh, I think a, a real um, great opportunity uh, with Sparktoro. Okay, so now you have a, a tool um, called SparkScore. What's that all about, Amanda? SparkScore will tell you a person's. Um, it shows you the influence of any Twitter account, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you're looking at the most followed people, let's just go ahead and use Rand as an example. Uh, <laughs> I'm sharing my screen again. Share screen. Okay. So let's look at Rand's Spark score. Rand is a really good example because he has such a massive following. Right, he has four hundred, almost four hundred fifty thousand followers, so huge. Um, but because he, he's, you know, he's been around for so long, he has such a huge following, um, and because he has other priorities, right? He he is he co-founded this company, and he uh, might be focused on that. So, if you were trying to find people influential in your niche, I think he is one. But maybe you're trying to do some co-marketing or like get them to share your, get them to retweet you, something like that. How, like, how would you know that Rand is a fit, right? You might want to look at his Spark score. Um, 
you would see his average retweets, you would see average likes. Um, you would also see his related accounts. So these are the nine other or so social accounts that he engages with most. This tends to be indicative of like, you know, someone's friends, coworkers, yeah. or niche, right? So like Will Reynolds, very well respected and known um, agency owner and content marketer and SEO expert, right? He's not a coworker of ours, but he is someone that Rand is close to. So maybe he's someone to consider, right? Um, I would spark score will also show you the person's engagement score. So engagement of their content relative to their size. So this will give you a sense. Here's where Rand is not a good example because Rand has does have have good has great influence, but sometimes you might see that there are certain social accounts that have a massive following, but engagement is very low. And then that might just be that maybe they built up their audience a long time ago, right? But they haven't, um, maybe they've been inactive for a while, right? And then so the audience got a little bit dormant. That person might not be the greatest fit to do some co-content or co-marketing with, right? Uh, and Spark Score will help you get a sense of that. Um, at the bottom here, you'll also see some of their top tweets over the past month. Um, and that's kind of fun to look at. So Rand has been traveling uh, the past month. So his recent top post is about traveling to Milan. All right. Um, so this is a sense of what you'll see in Spark Score. Um, Spark Score is completely free. Um, I think it, I think it maxes out at twenty five queries per day because um, that's just Twitter's API limit. Um, so yeah, so check it out. We also have a fake follower audit. Um, it's also on our free tools page if you ever want to get a sense of how many fake followers the account might have. Uh, we, we all have them, by the way. We Everyone has bots that follow us. You can't really help it. But it gives Those you a bots. sense. <laughs> Those bots. But it gives you a sense of, like, if someone has, like, 80% fake followers, you know, that's clearly a red flag. Uh, but it helps you kind of understand how to look at that data. That's that's really cool. I like the spot score. Um, and I like that it, it, it gives you a sense of, yeah, how engaged the, the, the individual is. Um, what kind of content they're putting out, what's what's you know doing well for them. Um, and, and it's a 30-day window, isn't it? So you can actually see just the past month what's what's been working for, for that particular account. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're going to uh, just wrap it up. Uh, and I, I would love, I mean, we could jam on for hours um, and we didn't even get into the cooking yet. Uh, but a couple of quick questions I had for you. One was uh, around just your, your experience working with Fitbit um, in, in that role. Um, I guess what what did you take away from that experience that you're applying now uh, in the work that you're doing? Um, let's see. <laughs> My time at Fitbit, I, you know, focused very much on a couple, a couple opportunities I uncovered that gave us tremendous ROI and content were creating um, tools or interactive content that gave users or readers a reason to keep coming back. So the most successful piece of content we had at Fitbit B2B was a corporate activity challenges generator. So for companies nice. who run corporate wellness programs where people, you know, compete in like step challenges and stuff, we provided a sort of generator where you would, you would do a couple clicks, you as the user would do a couple clicks, and then we would give you an idea of like, challenge your team to walk a billion steps together by the end of the year, stuff like that. So um, that was something that, you know, it took me, I think a couple months to create, it was hard to do. But yeah. people kept coming back to it month after month, quarter after quarter, I think even like years later. And I think they're still using it. So um, that's kind of the mindset I take to all the content I create now. Like, what can I create 
that is worth coming back to, worth sharing, worth amplifying in some way that truly adds value to people's productivity or workday or marketing strategy. So that's how I think about content now for everything that I do. Um, and I think that's kind of the way to go when you are, you know, in any kind of industry where you kind of need to focus on ways that you can create built in viral loops in everything you produce. Yeah. And I can see you've got a very strong core or a focus around experience. So it's, it's what's the experience we can give to um, people, you know, our audience, um, the members within that audience, and, and how do we make it memorable for them that they, that they do want to come back, right? So something like a fitness challenge or, you know, like I, I've been in companies where we did those challenges where it's like, yeah, get your Fitbit and, and go and let's, let's, let's beat each other up by running yeah. you know, a thousand, you know, steps a day, whatever it may be. Um, that, that's really awesome. Uh, I have a question here around just uh, what's a book or a resource that you feel is an essential for, for anyone, for any, for any marketer, um, something that's really influenced you or helped you in, in understanding, you know, how to, how to, what marketing is and then how to actually build that influence. Um, okay. I have a couple recommendations here. The first one, I got to do it. I have to plug Rand's book, Rand Fishkin's Lost and Founder. It is truly a terrific book. Um, it is about all the hard earned lessons he had in building Moz. Um, he, he gets very painfully honest about his journey there. And each chapter is really a standalone story. So you could read it per chapter. Um, but, you can, but of course, better to read cover to cover. But you do get a really great sense of what it's like to work at a fast growing startup and what it's like to build a marketing strategy. So that's a great book. And it's just fun. It's enjoyable to read. Um, Another resource, and one that I'm still reading right now, is uh, Jeremy Moser's um, landing page co copywriting guide. I think now he's turning into a course. So if you can, mm. if you want to find Jeremy Moser, I think he is J Moser R. Uh, I think it has two R's. Uh, you can find him on Twitter. Um, that's a great. That's a great ebook um, because he he gets straight into here is who this ebook is for. It, it, whether if you have an existing landing page, go here. If you don't have a landing page yet, go here. So he tells you how to read it and he really just gets straight into the tactics. Um, so it's immediately valuable, a great resource. Um, and the third one I, I would plug uh, is, um, I would say Demand Curves content. So Demand Curve is a growth um, agency and um, education platform, right? They have these really great playbooks, they're free but they have some terrific content on launching on product hunt, growing a LinkedIn following. Um, they also have a, uh, a new section on their site for teardowns of like home pages and stuff like that. So great resource. They also have great events. So those are the three that I'll plug. Fantastic. We'll definitely link to those in the show notes um, and uh, all relevant to our audience. So thank you for sharing those. Uh, what's a, what's one project that you're really proud of or are super excited about right now, Amanda? Uh, super excited about um, making some improvements to our website at SparkToro. You know, we're looking at improving the homepage and our product page. I'm excited about that. Want to give people a really good user experience there. Um, and then my personal newsletter, you know, I've only, it's been semi-secret. It's on, it's on my personal site, amandanat.com. Um I share some marketing insights, an original recipe, and a screenshot DM interview with uh, with a friend of mine. Um, so 
that I've been, ex been excited about because I've had this newsletter for, I think like, I don't know, eight months now, haven't really marketed it uh, and have started to market it maybe in the past two weeks. So it's been growing a little bit and I'm pretty proud of that. What's the frequency? Is that going to be in, it's weekly, right? The, the, uh, that you're writing those or? Uh, for what? My, my newsletter. Yeah. It's every other Sunday. So it's twice okay. per month. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, I just focus on what I can send that is valuable and worth people's time. Are you going to be including chicken recipes in there? Uh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, all right. Final question for you. And uh, it's funny that in that, a spark to our search you did for consulting uh mental health came up as a topic because that's the last question i actually have on the list for you here <laughs> is what's one thing you do to take care of your mental health uh one thing i do is i i give myself time every morning just for just for myself um usually it's about 30 to 45 minutes um it's before anyone else in my house has woken up before my kid has woken up before my work day starts so i will ideally do a quick workout um and then slowly start to make coffee and breakfast and kind of plan out my day. Um, that really helps me kind of level set for the day, helps me kind of define success for that day um, and helps kind of center me. I love that. And I've got a similar practice. I think, you know, the first, that time when you wake up, the moment when you just kind of have consciousness um, is really a good time to have space, create that space for yourself and not jump on the phones and the apps and the tools and emails and those sort of things. I think that's a sacred time. Um, and I know you sing as a, as a mother, you'd value that. Um, I hear that from other parents where they're like, I want to do something before the kids get up <laughs> um, yeah. and just have that space. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Uh, so for everyone listening, please head over to sparktoro.com, check out the tool, Check out the blog um, and also upcoming um, uh, uh, office hours that Amanda and the team are hosting. Um, I think they're worthwhile if you want to learn more about audience research, about marketing in general. Uh, that's the place to be. And also Amanda and Rand are both very active on Twitter. Um, so you can jump on, on Twitter and, and connect with them there. Uh, thank you so much, Amanda. Are there any, any final messages you'd want to leave our audience with? Um, I guess that's all. I, will, I guess I'll just say, like, check us out on sparktoro.com. We do have free accounts and paid accounts. And it's not too expensive uh, to do your audience research. We also have the audience research newsletter. We also have our Sparktoro office hours. The next session, so since we're coming up on the holidays, uh, we, we will only have one more office hour session. It's going to be sometime in December. So keep an eye out. Um, and then finally, uh, if you want to keep up with me personally, uh, I'm on Twitter, Amanda Nat. And my personal site is amandanat.com. Amandanat.com. All right. We will definitely share all those links with you all. And uh, thank you for joining in today. Again, Amanda, you've been awesome. And uh, you deserve a break. So I think uh, let's let's <laughs> let you do that. What's the rest of your day look like? Uh, Got to make lunch, uh, do some work, get the kid down for a nap. That's kind of it. <laughs> all right. Cool. All right. Well, let's go and do that. Thank you so much again. And everyone else, we have our next interview coming up. Uh, real soon uh, and subscribe to the page and you know what you do uh, and this will be up on all the podcast platforms real soon as well Great. all right let's uh, say bye all right thank you everyone thanks for listening to the authentic influence podcast at authenticinfluence.co 